I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder. Damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. I'm your host. We're proudly brought to you by Jack Kane Ford, who, uh, if you'll... We're tracking the news, uh, what, two weeks ago, gentlemen? We, uh, Jack King Ford presented the Tom Cannon Courage Award. Uh, young Jack Pilgrim recorded video and wrote a tremendous story about that. Thank you, Jack, who's returning from New York, so he's a little jet-lagged. He's but a city sucker now. He is, but uh, Jack King Ford has been with us since the very beginning. and They cowboyed up for a cure, too. They did. Had the rodeo on Saturday night. I couldn't attend. I had little little tooth cut out the night or two days before it wasn't feeling good so hmm. that I, sucks. I know i Sorry. couldn't i couldn't Sorry suck it you. up i'm getting i'm getting soft in my old age i really am i used to be tough but no more but today is a special day jack pilgrim nicholas roush because we're going to talk about a couple of things that are very passionate to me for me and when we are talked about jack came forward who i'm passionate about who i bought my vehicle right at jack came forward and will buy my next one there one of my other passions is Kentucky high school football and Kentucky high school football coaches. I'm in total, I mean, I'm on record for years saying this, I'm in total support of the high school coaches within the Commonwealth of Kentucky and the high school football product that we're seeing that I think is getting better on an annual basis. We're joined today by a couple state championship coaches, uh, Two coaches from power programs. One, Scott uh, Scott County's uh, Coach McKee built Scott County into a state power. Won a state championship, been in state championships. Coach Clevenger from Danville. Danville is a traditional power. Uh, Coach Clevenger brought them back to state prominence and went, what, 15-0 and and won a state championship this year. So we're talking about two of the top high school football coaches in the state of Kentucky. Coach McKee is in the top 20 all-time wins list for the history of Kentucky, which means he's been doing this a long time. But we're going to talk about Nick Roush, about football in Kentucky. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's it's in a well, good place right yes, now. Yes. It is in a very good place right now. And we're talking to two of the more recognizable brands in Scott County and Danville and two of the most influential coaches, Coach McKee and Coach Clevenger. Gentlemen, how you doing? Doing great. Appreciate you having us on today. Well, you both got your rings on. so Oh, they're – they're, they're blinging out the, on the, us. The, the, yeah, that's, uh, I got a laugh there when you texted us yesterday and said, Shh, a little short notice here, but let's make this happen. And Clay says, well, I said, easy now, brother. You just went 15-0. Damn, I won a state championship. You can get out of there. Yeah, he, he should be able to do whatever he wants to in that city, right? Not quite. Not, not yet? No. Well, you Coach Hart won how many, Clay? He won seven. I got a long way to go to catch <laughs> so No when pressure. It, no pressure at all. <laughs> and you got Coach Smith who just won his sixth yeah. in the same town, yeah. too. So. Yeah. And so, Coach Duffy won two. Two. So yeah. that brings me to a question. When, when you're at Scott County, traditional powerhouse 6A, getting ready to be 5A, Ooh. and you're at Danville, do you feel the pressure in the preseason – to be one of the best, if not the best team in your classification and compete for a state championship on every year based on history of a program or what you've done throughout the years? 
Well, I mean, I, I think any good coach is just like this podcast. If, if you take this serious, and so who's the number one critic of it? Me, you, yeah. And so I think I think that the person that's going to put the most amount of pressure on yourself is you, not necessarily a community or a school or you know it's just you you want to do the very best you can do and i'm sure clay feels the same way you know you're not going to win the championship every year and i'm I'm not going to walk away uh, two years ago we're 12 and 2 we lost on a two-point failed two-point conversion at lafayette 47 48 47 my middle boy was the captain on the team one of the best players i mean as disappointed as i was i'm not going to walk away from 12 and 2 and feel like it was a bad year uh, you know, we had a great year. Uh, we had to play against a really good team, and we came up short. How would you describe a successful season at Scott County? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the number one thing that we're trying to do is, is two things would answer that question. You know, n- number one, let's make the team the very best that team can be. Our 2000 team was five and six. And, and there, if there was ever a group of kids that I coached that played any harder and gave any more than that team, I don't know when it was. So, so number one, let's make them the best they can be. And number two, let's make sure we're playing our best football in November. And then let the chips fall where they, where they may. Chris Clevin, you came close last year, got to the state championship game, didn't work out against Cal. Come back this year, run the table 15-0. and 0. Was the state championship game against Mayfield a coronation, or was that uh, a game that that you saw Danville return to the pinnacle of two A football? Well, I think returning to the pinnacle. I mean, obviously, um, touched on it. I played for Coach Harp, uh, won two state championships as a player. Um, you know, and when you take over for a guy who's been the head coach for. 25 years and won over 320 games and seven state championships. Um, obviously, there's some pressure with that. Um, with that said, you know, we weren't quite that program when I first took over, and so we kind of had to build a little bit back to get to where we are. And, um, you know, it's like Coach McKee talked about, you know, wanting to get kids to buy in and play as hard as they can and be the best versions of themselves that they can be. And if you can do that individually, then it'll it'll happen as a team as well. And um, really you saw that come, you know, we got beat two years ago in the semis by Newport Central Catholic uh, with a 12-2 and team. And um, that's really the team that – that started us getting back into the conversation. And um, it might have been my best team, to be honest with you. We just hadn't been in that stage before. And so, you know, I think that year and and obviously coming back, going to the finals the next year, and it's just it's that process that you got to continually get better and better and better. And you got to put yourself into the situations, I think, um, to where your kids know how to handle those situations. And so winning it this year, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, you, you put yourself in a position as a program to be back to where it was, you know, from 87 to to 94 when you're in the state championship game five or six years. Clay, I think there's a, a – I can relate to that sentiment, and I think Kentucky fans can relate to that because, you know, you mentioned the talents there, but being on that stage isn't necessarily the case. And Newport Central Catholic, they were the monkey that was on my team's back. They knocked us out of the playoffs every year. We finally beat them my senior year. And it was – we were unleashed. We were great. We were good to go from that point forward. I think that's kind of been the case with this Kentucky football team is that they've, they've been getting closer and closer. But when that big moment's been there, it hadn't always been ready to seal the deal because they aren't comfortable with it. And I think 
after doing it for two or three years, I, th- I think they finally have reached that point where, you know, maybe it's not too big to beat a team like Florida. I mean, they sure did it against Louisville uh, two years back. So I, I think that's a big part of being successful in football. And, and what I would compare that to, and, uh, you know, this might strike a nerve a little bit because I know how diehard Kentucky you all are, but compare us to Kentucky. There's a lot of comparisons. Now, I might get thrown off the podcast, but – Kentucky's going to have a hard time beating Georgia and Alabama on a consistent basis. I'm 48 years old, and it hasn't happened in my 48 years. It's kind of like our situation. We're going to have a hard time beating Trinity and St. X on a consistent basis. Now, in Clay's case, I I could see where Clay could get himself in get his the program there in a position again where they might be able to win three or four in a row. For us, the you know the 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 facts are the facts. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to beat Trent. We, I think I gave the stat after our St. X game this year. We are 63-2 and two in the last seven years in the regular season against Kentucky high school opponents. Wow. We're 0-7 against Cincinnati and Louisville private schools in the same time period. Hmm. So, just because we lost to St. X this year, we didn't have a bad year. Uh, now, I, I don't know if Clay feels this way. It has gotten to the point – and, Clay, do you ever feel like winning the game on Friday is more relief than joy? Yeah, that was going to be my next question. You know, like we'll win on Friday against a Douglas or a Henry Clay or somebody yeah. that we feel like we should beat. Yeah. And and more so than joy, I'm just like, man, i got seven good days coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, for me personally, last year getting beaten the state championship, we were 12-3. and three. We had lost 16 seniors the year before. We only had three seniors on our football team. and But it's still the low of it was was as low as I had been as a coach, the, the, the after effect. And so, um, you know, this year I think when we won at Mayfield, it was as much a relief as right. anything um, for me personally. Yeah, and, like Joby Hall in 78 when yeah. he won the championship. He said it was a relief because, you know, you run the table. They didn't run the table, but they were very good. Right. You were expected to win the state championship. Right. So, and, yeah. And so it, that is um, – but it doesn't – you know, I don't think it takes anything away from what you're able, you know, to accomplish. And, you know, the most rewarding part now that I've been fortunate enough to have done it is just – the elation that the kids are able to receive. Right, you know, absolutely. I think, and their families. And their families. I mean, and what it does to a community, you know, or to a group of com- people in our community. And, you know, they get to kind of strut around and, you know, and that kind of stuff is really, you know, it's probably been more so, um, you know, we, we we got started back in on in weightlifting on January the 5th. You know, there's not a lot of time to enjoy it, but, but just to see that aftermath and, and what it's done for a group of kids within the hallways and, and how they carry themselves has been, been rewarding. And when you're on a sideline in, in the state championship game and you know that you've won a state championship, maybe there's time left still on the clock, but you know that you have won a state championship for your community, for your players – for your families, for your for everybody, what goes through your mind at that point, Coach McKee, when, when you realize we've done it, we have won a state championship? What's going through your mind at that exact moment? You know, uh, I, I think that I've been so blessed in my life, I couldn't uh, – I'd be remiss not to bring up that, you, that my oldest son led the drive down the field to, to score the touchdown. Right. And how many fathers and sons – yeah, honestly, get to do that, and uh, you know, it's just uh, 
we felt it coming, kind of like in Clay's case. You know, we we had lost a really tough game. We had been we had been fourteen and zero in two thousand eleven and lost in the finals to Trinity, and then mm-hmm. we had been twelve and two in two thousand twelve. And I knew what we had coming back when I walked off the field in two thousand twelve. That man, I think we got a shot. And, and I'll be right, be honest right now, we have 37 sophomores right now. It's the biggest group we've ever had as a 10th grade group. They'll be seniors when we'll be 5A in 2019. I know their dads a lot better than I know you or even Clay because they've played my, my youngest sons with them. I mean, it'll be a disappointment if we don't win a state championship in 2019. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all anybody's talk. That's all yeah. those kids talk about. That's what those what those parents talk about. And I think the biggest thing that, that – Clay brought up that I would would echo is just the joy from the families, like a hugger. You know what? You don't oh, yeah. get to play very many huggers. Yeah. You know, but when when Kentucky knocked off Tennessee with the guy, uh, the Wildcat quarterback, yeah. what what everybody do? They just hug. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> yeah. when we beat Mayo in the semifinals to go to the final, I mean, it was just everybody hugged. I mean, I was just hugging anybody I could get my hands on. <laughs> so just joy. Yeah. Yeah, Clay. What, what when you realized against Mayfield this last year? Yeah, I it's think, over with. I mean, you're you're getting ready to get the water dumped on you. You can hear your fans. What was going through your mind? You know, hug. You want to show class as far as you know. Get out. Let's shake hands with the opposing coach, and then then it's, you know, did my wife and my two little boys have they made it onto the field? And where are they? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I can give them a hug. I mean, right. we got a great picture of me hugging my wife, and she's holding the four year old, and the six year old's popping his head through, and you know that's a culmination of um you know the hard work that, that, that a lot of people you know have sacrificed in order for me personally to be there and then and then after that my mom and my dad and my brother was there on the sidelines for that game and so it's just a family that family affair that personally that there was a joy my sister was there I mean yeah. so it's just it, that was the cool moment yeah that, you know what my dad did to me when I lost one of my three or four state championships games that I lost <laughs> in every one of them he was pointing to his ring finger like I have one and you do not so that's my loving dad well, that was my loving dad being like uh, yeah you need to get one of these I got one so tough break come back and get another one you know what I mean that's that old school tough love of you need to work harder. You need to win the state championship. I got another question, and I'll, and I'll turn it over to Nick here. Okay. With high school football in Kentucky and, and 6A, again, one of the, the powerhouse and in 2A powerhouse, which is more important, X's and O's or organization and motivation? Well, I mean, I would say organization and motivation because, you know, they say football coaches, you know, don't let it define you, you know, it's – that it is who I am. I'm proud of that. I mean, I, everywhere I go, from church to town to school, I'm. I'm. Everybody calls me. I'm a coach, and uh, you know, it, it had. It was my lifelong dream. The first game I saw, my dad took me to watch Joey Couch and Paintsville play Crittenden County in the Class A game yeah. in 1984. Yeah, it was right. Yep. Four or five, I think four. And so from that point forward, all I thought about was what's it going to be like when. When we get here, whether I'm a player or an assistant coach, I took a group of kids from Oldham County after a weightlifting meet to the old Cardinal Stadium, and we took a shoe off and pretended like it was the football, and we were throwing it around. And so I remember what it was like walking in the stadium in 2004 when we played St. X, and I was so proud of them. We had on all these matching sweats, and funny little story to this. Anyway, so we're playing. It's 21-0 with like this. Bam. 
and I'm taking this off into a little tangent, but it's 21 nothing like this, and I tell my line coach up on the box, I said, Coach, what, what can we run? We've got to be able to run something, or they're going to run us out of here. What can we run? He said, only thing runs are those yellow school buses we came on. We better get on before we get killed. <laughs> so the game's over. And uh, I remember uh, walking in, and we had packed them. I don't know what you all do, Clay, and now we've got a much better plan. But this particular year, we packed a bunch of sandwiches and coolers and stuff for the kids. And so last man out, head coach, yeah, we got to beat 49 to 9. Um, and, and we got beat also one time. We gave up 67 points to Trinity in 2011. I texted Johnny Hines a couple of years later after Bowling Green scored 70 on him. said, thanks for taking the other record. <laughs> but I uh, walked out, and there there's some coolers. And we and so I opened up the cooler to get a couple sandwiches for the ride home. What do you think? Nothing left. Nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it evolves over time. Yeah. But but I'm, I'm where I'm going with that is, to me – your your organization and your your motivation and your culture far outweighs your X's and O's. You know, and I'm not saying there's something wrong with Kentucky football because that's what we're going to go back to, like University of Kentucky football. I don't mean that, but you know, you can you can build, you can redo Commonwealth Stadium and it becomes Kroger Field and the indoor and recruiting, and you've changed the climate, but you still haven't changed the culture. I've been there 21 years. It took us at least 10 years yeah. to start to establish a football a football culture. Yeah, it's yeah. like somebody will say, well, what are y'all doing? Oh, we're going to go play ball. Of course, what they're talking about is basketball. I say, play what? Golf ball? <laughs> play tennis ball? Well, what kind of ball? But so, you know, it takes a long time to establish yeah. that. And yeah, especially at like the yeah. high school level where you're yeah. not used to having like, oh, here's our practice schedule. Yeah. This is how we're going to do it every single yeah, day. Yeah, that, that's, you know, when, when Mark Stoops got here, I said, this is a five-year process. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. You can recruit all the players you want to. But what he inherited, he, Mark Stoops inherited a very bad roster <laughs> with bad culture as far as losing. And I said it was going to be a five-year process to even before we get started here. You, brick and mortar facilities are just that, but the attitude, the the culture, the winning culture of, of stringing together bowl seasons, etc. I thought it was a five year build around, and, and it turned out to be that way. Clay, X's and O's versus organization and culture. Which one? Oh, the organization and culture. You know, I tell our guys this all the time. I mean, people win championships doing from wing T to Veer to spread every year and um you know my first my for six years when i was head coach at henderson county we were split back very old school i played at carson newman and um you know that's what we did when i came to danville that's the first year that's what we did and i realized that that probably wasn't what was best suited for what we had and so we changed and we're a little bit more of a spread shotgun football team now and you know one of the first things my offense coordinator, Coach Kyle Singleton, he came from Rowan County in that second year, and he was calling plays. And after about three or four games, I said, "All right, cut it. You get two. You get two. Two yeah. run plays. You know." I said, "We're going to do. We need to do something really, really good. Right. You know, to have that confidence in it. But it's not about the, that X's and O's. It's about having high school kids, especially." have confidence in what they're doing. And if they get confidence in what they're doing, then, you know, obviously and we and then Jimmy's and Joe's always right. helps too when oh, you yeah. got some yeah. when you got some kids. Absolutely. That can play. And to me when I, I, I go around and speak to schools all the time, visit high school, I can I can look at a couple of things and, and you may think I'm crazy. I can look at a locker room, 
and I can look at a practice within five minutes and tell you if that team's going to be worth a crap or not. If that locker room is junked up and it is nasty and it is, you can tell there's no pride taken in that locker room, that program automatically takes a step down in my opinion. If I go to practice and I see two hours a team where you're going 11 and 11 for two, two and a half hours, I just don't see that getting a lot done. Then I think, and you all tell me, how long did it take you to establish a winning culture as far as your practice schedule and your routine Monday through Thursday? Because that's when the games are won, right, is the preparation leading up to the game. How long did it take you to establish, okay, this is a winning formula for my football program at Scott County and at Danville? Well, you know, I, I look back my first year um, at back at Danville, uh, we went through some growing pains. They had to adjust to a new coach, and um, we went six and six. You know, but the the rock bottom part, we played Corbin, and they they just blew us out of the waters. The third fourth game of the year, we lost three in a row. From that point on, we started building back a little bit and uh, building on that. And then the third year, uh, the second year, we were fine. Third year, we come out, we start out two and zero. Oh, and then uh, Boyle County actually put a running clock on us. And at that point, the kids bought in to the coaches at that point. And from then on, you know, I think we've been 37-5 and five and played two state championships in a semi. But I think it took – you know, with the kids today, you know, they're not necessarily going to – believe what you say sometimes they got to fail sometimes they got to they got to see it up for themselves they're not you know it's yesteryear sometimes you know they just you know you were the adult and they respected the authority and kids today don't always aren't always like that what i see and so they so you gotta you know sometimes you just say hey all right go do it your own way now how'd that work out for you and then let's do you know go back so well and i I can't speak for clay but I, i could guess that, you know, year one, year two, year three, probably was some settling in his staff, too. You know, one of the greatest things we have at Scott King High School is unbelievable coaching staff. And, you know, I don't care if, if they hire me to be Tennessee's coach instead of Jeremy Pruitt, and I hire you and you and you and you, it's still going to take us a little bit of time to work together and for each of us to find the place where we belong. And I think that's one of the biggest things is once we got our staff at Scott County settled, you know, we've got some uh, – Monty McIntyre, the guy who runs our defense, is as good a coach as there is. You know, he could be the head coach easily. And, and you know, Scott Willard, our offensive line coach, who has been a head coach. He's our head baseball coach. Coach McIntyre coaches our track team. We've got other guys without going and enlisting them. So, I, I think a part of it, too, is getting your staff settled in and getting all those people on the same page before you can get the 15-, 16-year-old on the same page. That's a great point, Nick. Uh I turned my microphone down for a second. First things first that I got to ask. Clay, was that a catch? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if y'all well, don't know, in the state championship game, there was quite a controversial touchdown right before half where it was a ca- maybe a catch, maybe an interception in the back of the end zone, and they ruled it a catch. It's still hotly debated. Yeah, so the referee that called it a touchdown and I were on the same. Like, he was – we pretty much were looking straight ahead. And and so, our, our kid, Jaleel Warren, goes up over the defensive guy, both hands on the football, secures it, foot comes down inbounds. They roll over. The other kid comes up with it. But mm-hmm. as soon as he secures it, 
foot down, it's a touchdown. Yeah. Anything else after that. And so, you know, that, that was, in my opinion, it was a great call. But you had to have that. There was only probably one viewpoint that, that you can make that call from. And that referee, I think, happened to just be right there. And he's the one, you know, the guy, the back judge, he kind of looked and he didn't know what to do. And this guy, he, he was very definitive when he came in and made the call. And I think he saw what I saw. And that's two hands on the ball, foot down. You know, at that point, the play's over. See, and I, I, I agree with you, and I think in the NFL, they would have just said do-over because they don't know what it is. Um, but I thought it was a good play, and I just couldn't believe that the person was in the right spot to do it. Yep. Um, because, I mean, it was bang, bang. I mean, both guys made great plays on the football. That was probably, you know, in high school, this year, starting in the third round of the playoffs, Kentucky went to a seven-man crew instead of a five-man, which they've done, you know, ever since football been going. And so um, I think that seven – having those seven guys put that guy in the right position to be able to make that call. And, you know, with that said, and, and I would ask Clay this, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to make it. And after we had made it for the first time, we wanted to make it back. And then once we won it, I would, I would love for our program to be able to win another one just as much as I was thrilled that we won one. So – that it's not uh, – that's something we've really prided ourselves in being good year after year after year. And so I, I want to make sure that the one we won in 2013, it didn't, it didn't just one. It wasn't just one good group of kids. It wasn't Damari Van Cleve or Scotty Daniel was our star. You know, it, it's it's Danville football, the brand. Yep. And I bet you want to get back there and win another one, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that's what you're working <laughs> for. I mean, obviously. And, you know, there's a point that I wanted to make earlier when we were talking about programs and, and it's something that, you know, patience isn't in our virtue anymore in our, as a society. But um, I remember as maybe my first year out as a player, my first time going to the uh, American Football Coach Association conference down uh, I think I forget where we were at the year but anyway Mac Brown was speaking and he had just won the national championship at Texas and his quote that just stuck with me is that you got to be consistently good before you can be great and that's something that has always resonated with me because you know you got to keep knocking on the wood you got to keep pounding on it you got to keep being in a position then when you get the right run of kids or you get the right just group that comes in and really gels together then you got everything else there and you're used to being consistently good you can be great and you know hopefully that's what we see from Kentucky moving forward is that all right you know they've gotten to be where they're, they're starting to be consistent you know mm-hmm. consistently better and better um you know consistently good and then you know hopefully get the right, get the right chemistry and, and the right yeah. players in the positions and then you know you have a chance to have that great season and I, I like too that you mentioned that just from a uh from somebody who's not in football a lot, how much goes into getting 11 dudes on the same page and getting the ball to the right person and scheming it up the right way. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it that I think it gets uh, a little overlooked at times from the, the lay person. Uh, but Coach McKee, I got – first off, I, I think we need to we, – we mentioned you all both have your rings on, but Coach McKee over here is a football coach's coach. You look like you've just been – you remind me of the coach that walks down the aisle and uh, the hallways of – of the school and everybody just like kind of puts their head down and keeps walking away. You got not one, but two whistles on your camo hat, your camo, uh, bucket hat. I actually dressed up a little bit today too. I know you got khaki shorts on on khaki shorts. My mom got these for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how, when you found out y'all were going down to five, a, is that a, Oh, now we don't have to play St. X and Trinity anymore. Or was it, 
oh man, we're not at the the top class anymore. What what went through your mind when you found that out? You know, I've I've always been of the belief that you know you've got to embrace whatever your surroundings are, and it, what good would it do for me to to complain about it? Because it is what it is. We're going to be 5A. The schools are going to split in 2019. And and I'm at the point in my career, and I had thought uh, probably that I would get out after my youngest son graduated. But the fact that we aren't – and I kind of – and I don't know why I'm probably too smart to, to believe this, but I, I kind of had stuck in the back of my mind, I guess I didn't do the math, that I thought both the schools would probably be at the bottom tier of 6A. I just figured the continued growth, and, and I'm thinking, man, it's tough to beat male when you're the biggest school, and we got half of us, it's going to get real <laughs> tough. Uh, but now, no, honestly, to, to, to know that we're going to be in 5A is a little bit of probably uh, – I'll, I'll embrace it. Mm-hmm. I'll be fired up about it. Let me tell you what about classification. Now, we live in the state of Kentucky, and here's what will happen. If, if, if they call in the call-in show and they say, we're not seeding the NCAA basketball tournament this year, it's a blind draw. The Kentucky fans, I mean, where are the red lights in here? Because they'll go crazy. <laughs> then the very next day, Freddie gets on and says, listen, guys, we're, we're going to seed the boys' sweet 16. We've decided to seed it 1 through 16. The same person who called in the day before is going to call back in. Right. And, you know, that's the thing with football. When you remove yourself into football – Classification. When we won the state championship, in two, Clay didn't care. His players didn't care who won the two thousand, won the triple A or the four A or the five A or the six A. They were heading back to Danville, and somebody was getting a hold of the fire chief. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, when we when we go to five A, if we would be fortunate enough to win a five A state championship, it'll be just as much as you know. Pikeville's class, Chris McNamee's a good friend of mine. He did a lot of the same things at Pikeville that Clay did at Danville. You know, when Clay. Coach Harp is awesome. He might be listening to this show. And he is and he set the bar so high that even he couldn't keep it that high. You know, so he comes in, Clay gets it back up there. Chris did the same thing at Pikeville. So I'm not even the least bit worried about being five A or, or you know, I'm fired up. Football's about football. It. Yeah. No, I'm fired up about that. <laughs> we're going we'll transfer now, transform this conversation to the to the spring game coming up on Friday. It's a unique deal for Kentucky this year because there are so many seniors that have locked down starting positions. I don't think we're going – Eddie Grant today said that Benny Snell will play, but I don't expect to see Benny Snell get 20 carries on Friday night. He might throw a pass out of Probably out of shouldn't, right? <laughs> right. And then you have the linebackers. Josh Allen, you know, going to be a first-rounder. Uh, Jordan Jones is out. Denzel Ware is going to get drafted. I want to talk about – DeAndre Square, 17 years old, true freshman from Detroit Cast Tech, a national program, is now starting at Will Linebacker due to a couple injuries. You all coach 17-year-old kids on a daily basis. How is that possible? I mean, how can you go from leaving high school a semester early to starting for a SEC football team? Is that transition can you talk to us about the transition not only physically but mentally you got to learn the plays but you have to react but how how can you do that emotionally be that strong enough to play next to cash daniel who you know is cussing him out if he's not doing exactly what he's supposed to do do you handle that 17 year old differently as a coach do you handle him with kid gloves or do you throw him in the mix and say play football i mean 
the painful, honest truth would be I'd say either that kid's going to be a NFL draft pick or Kentucky's got big problems with depth at linebacker one or the other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if his kid's coming in and playing two, starting two months in his freshman year, either A, he's, you know, yeah. a kid we're going to be talking about in three years, it's going to be a, a top two or three round draft pick, or B, we got some big time problems with our depth at linebacker. Right. And the reason he's starting is because Jordan Jones is injured and then Jamie Davis, Davis is, is injured. injured. And then the day that we were at practice, Alex King, the other red shirt, he was, was in, yeah. injured too. <laughs> I, I'm on record saying that DeAndre Square will be an all SEC player within three years. Right now, he's six foot and a half, six one, maybe 205 pounds. You put on 20 pounds, you know that happens quickly. The kid moves like a safety. That's kind of where this three four looks going, right? You get a Cash Daniel, a thumper, then you get a a greyhound like DeAndre Square and just let him run. And I would, I don't know, for Clay's standpoint. You you probably have a few freshmen start each year or no? Uh, none this year. None we this didn't year. have a soft, we had one sophomore that started. Well, we hardly ever had any start, and then all of a sudden, I saw this kid Glenn Covington coming up. He's in the same grade with Brian Hudson, and I was watching him play middle school, and I just kept thinking, something made me get catcher. <laughs> and I just said, you know, and so I just went and got him. I mean, it's the first two kids we'd ever had that skipped. I guess Josh Walsh, we did three that skipped freshman football. Which for us, you know, we'll have 50 or so freshmen and they two platoon. They just skipped all that and, and I started starting them. And maybe that's the case. Of course, sounds like they have some injuries. And you all follow the University of Kentucky football a lot closer than I do as yeah, far as – You guys are a little busy with your own this team. Guy. Yeah. I mean, I, now, I, I keep up with Cash Daniel because yeah. his two first cousins right. played for us. Right. And now his first cousin is going to be a junior next year. And, and Cash called himself the people's linebacker. <laughs> and so I – on his Twitter and stuff. So that's what I call Sam, his first cousin, who's going to be a junior next year for us. I call him the people's linebacker. Yeah. But, uh, but no, when I when, – when we went down and got those kids and they started for us in 2015, I didn't really treat them any differently. Um, you think that's best for their development, just throw them in and say, hey, play? I, I don't know. I just think you got to treat every kid. Case you got to try case. to find the button to push for everybody. It's an individual, it's an individual thing, right? When he's starting in a blue-white scrimmage, not against Alabama or yeah. Florida. Yeah. Well, hopefully. You know, yeah. maybe. But, <laughs> and so, you know, but the first – what Coach McKee said, you know, the first thought that came to my mind was, oh, goodness, you yeah. know, maybe that's not a good thing either. And, um, you know, but, but we, you see it in basketball every year, right? Yeah. right? I mean, there's some guys that are just – they're special. And um, if you get those guys, I don't think you want to hold them back because of their age either. You know, if they're good enough, let them go compete and play. Right. The, uh, the big, go ahead, Nick. I'm just curious. I mean, I don't know how much you all can speak to it, but I know football at a – high competitive high school level and i'm just curious from x's and o's standpoint how much more voluminous that is at a college level oh it's because like i feel like if you're in his position he's you're still gonna have the same assignments but your alignments and pre-snap stuff is just gonna yeah. be crazy with the linebacker position in 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 a lot of high schools i mean it's taught you know read your gaps read your guards your keys and all that but when the, when when the ball snapped, they're going to go to the football. A lot of them. I mean, you know, that's just the way it is. Go make a play. Go make a play. But there's a lot of keys that he's going to have to make, which brings us to the quarterback competition. There's three of them: Gunner Hoke, who has played extremely well in in past spring games; Terry Wilson, the junior college player; and then Danny Clark. So, will should the Big Blue Nation should the fans see or take a lot? on who's going to win the starting position based on the spring game, in your opinion, Clay? Well, you know, I think 
confidence again within the program. So I think when the fans see somebody do really well and then don't get a chance, and then maybe if somebody struggles in that position, you start to wonder, well, why aren't why don't why not that person? He, he did well here, you know. Again, you know those situations and and those these coaches are in these meeting rooms and they're in practice and they're watching film on these guys every single day, you know every single flaw with them, what what's their strength and what's their weakness. So. For us to say, you know, is that the right – you know, you got to trust the coaches to do what's right. But with that said, I mean, you know, you also got to give – you know, as a coach, you don't want to buy into this a whole lot, but there's a such thing as a gamer. Yeah. You know, there, and so some guys, you know, they might not be as good in practice and then all of a sudden the lights come on and, 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 all, and they play really well. And, you know, I had a quarterback this year that hadn't taken a snap really in a high school football game, and I, that was our biggest question mark coming in. And but he was a gamer. You know, he he Monday through Thursday drove me crazy. He really did. <laughs> and, and but but on Friday night when the lights came on, you didn't have to worry about was he showing up and was he going to do what it took to try and win the football game. And um, you know, so I think those are some things that you can't get a feel for sometimes in practice. You got to give them a chance to go out there and play. I think Steven Johnson's a good – he's yeah. a good representation of that. Yeah, great kid. Now, now Coach McKee, no scholarship tight ends will be playing in the game or went through spring practice. So, personnel grouping formations are going to be different. Wide receivers are injured. So, you're not going to really get a good look at what you're going to see in the fall. So, as a coach with the spring game on Friday – with your with your lens, are you looking for more on one on one matchups, technique? How would you evaluate this spring game as a coach? Well, I'm a bad person to ask that question to because you know spring football. For you all brought it up earlier. Uh, I was I've watched a couple of the spring games. Watched Auburn in the yeah. rain. Did y'all see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, and, and and that's what I would be doing the whole time Benny Snell was out there is just hold my breath. Yeah, I'd bubble wrap him. Yeah. I'd you make know. him stay in his locker. I mean, it's just, I'd lock him up in the facility. Him, I know He's you like the need to get some work kid. done, and, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know what 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 Coach Clevenger's perspective and what they do at Namble versus what they did at Henderson. But you know, spring football for us is very important, but very brief. You know, we're going to go out for three or four days the last week of May in a helmet and get a good feel for where we need to be in July, and that's the bi- for for two reasons. One. You know, our baseball team's really good, and about half the kids on that team are football players. And our track team is coached by our defensive coordinator. And I don't want him during the middle of next September saying that they're going to have track practice on Saturday to work on the relays. I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> right. And so, you know, for us, it's 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 very uh, abbreviated, and it is valuable, and it's something that we do in late May in, in a helmet. I just want the kids to come out healthy. For me, I want the kids to come out healthy, and I want to establish what are the biggest weaknesses that we must address as a football program between today and our first game. And if I if everybody's healthy and I can establish that, then I I guess you got to have a, fans and all that. But if I was coached, if I were Coach Stoops and we were twenty one plays in. On on Friday night, and that had been established. I'd say hit the shower. <laughs> I think I think that's been established. The receiver core, I, I think, is a point of emphasis. There were four true freshmen: Josh Ali, Isaiah Epps, Lynn Bowden, and uh, Cleveland Thomas played last year. Uh, Lynn Bowden is said to be establishing himself as an elite SEC receiver, uh, and those group of youngsters are playing better. 
You still have Taven Richardson on the outside. Then you get back Dorian Baker. And I think Marvin Alexander and a few true freshmen will play there. So I always say this from spring game, as far as a quarterback, <clears throat> when, when you get deep in the game and you got twos and threes on defense, there's going to be some knucklehead that is so out of place in a coverage that a quarterback's going to throw an interception. Meaning, if it's supposed to be a cover three, sometimes you're going to, it's better be lucky than good. You're going to have a third-team cornerback that's never played in a, in a college game, and he's going to be three yards off the line of scrimmage, facing inwards where he's not supposed to be. Quarterback's going to go through a read, make his throw, and hit the guy right in the chest. Happened to me every year. So a defensive player is going to be so out of place, they're going to make a big play. So for me, with the quarterbacks, I want to see the intent. That's why I hope with the helmet, what I like to see is the white line down the middle, okay? I want to see that quarterback's eye, where he's looking, where he's looking, where he's looking. That's the the quarterback, Wilson, Hoke, uh, uh, Clark. I want to see their intent more so than the product of the play. Completion, incompletion, interception does not matter to me. I want to see what their intent is. What are their reads on the RPO? Coach McKee, you'll like this. Kentucky strength on offense, in my opinion, on the team, other than Benny Snell, is guard, center, guard. Now, with the wing T, you could use these guys. <laughs> Logan Stenberg, left guard, 6'6", 330 pounds. Uh, only had one Division one offer. Only had one power of five offer, and that was from Kentucky. was a freshman, all-SEC player. There's talk that, as a junior, he's going to have a decision to make. Go pro or stay at Kentucky. Center Drake Jackson, you both of you guys are familiar with Drake. Six uh, two, he's up to about three oh five. Cerebral player makes all the calls. As a new quarterback, I want the fans to realize this: with Terry Gunner and Danny, the best friend that they can have on that team is number fifty two. Because the more calls that Drake Jackson makes on the line of scrimmage, the less that those new quarterbacks have to think about. Get get let let let. Let Drake do his job, simplify what the quarterback's got to do. Other guard, Bunchy Stallings, another guy that, that's got to go and have a chance at an NFL camp. He's got a new haircut too, so he's, that, he's, he's ready to roll. He's got the mohawk. That's yeah. when you know they're ready to turn it on. But Where's that, that kid from, Bunchy Stallings? Mississippi. Bunch, well, he's from Mississippi, but he played his high school football at Spain Park in Birmingham. I thought so, yeah. So, so the, your strength of this offensive line – and, and Coach McKee, you'll like this again, is, is guard center guard with that wing tee that you run. And with a running back like Benny Snell, and with a running back coming in like Cavassier Smoke and Chris Rodriguez that are in similar mode of run behind their pads, downhill guys, you want your best blockers to be in the middle. What I heard today was that right tackle George Osafo Jay and left tackle Landon Young are having the best spring of all the offensive linemen. So – Two years ago, Kentucky had one, two, one of the top two offensive linemen lines in the conference. This year, we could see that again, but it's all going to come down to obviously who's behind center. But how, I just want people to know that that having that center with Drake Jackson, the quarterback competition, has a lot to do with the factors surrounding that quarterback. For me, it was the center. It was a tight end that I knew that if things go south, I can find this guy and get it to him. C.J. Conrad will be drafted. He's not playing on Friday night, but he's a, he's an NFL guy. So I think that's really going to help. And also having the, the ability to hand the ball off to number 26 is a, is a huge benefit. 
with Benny Snell. But defensively, explosive plays has been something that the coaches have talked about. In my opinion, I call them havoc stats, and I don't know. I mean, you're, I'm talking to two of the best coaches in Kentucky, and I may be talking Greek because I have my own language. For me, havoc stats in terms of defensive linemen are tackles for loss, quarterback hurries, quarterback sacks, and deflections. That's that's what I call havoc stats. I, I lump them all together. Kentucky was was the lowest in the conference in that method. Now, schematically with a 3-4, you're not going to get a lot. But Kentucky has to improve that. With the linebackers and DBs being seniors, the back seven is a strength, but it's said that the defensive line is supposed to have supposedly is winning some on the line of scrimmage. What do you want to see from Kentucky's defensive line or a defensive line in general in this game or any game, Coach McKee, what do you what, what what is your focus on a defensive line? Is it catch, react, read? Is it attack, or is it based on down distance? I mean, I, I would point out three things going back to the things you talked about way back in the beginning when you were talking talking about the the young linebacker. You know, de- defensive football has changed a lot, even yeah. at the high school level. I mean, you know. There is no no longer can we sit in our base defense and just impose our will on the other team, uh, because people do so much stuff from RPO to, to you know we got to create a defense that can defend wishbone three backs power to no spread. huddle spread mm-hmm. to RPO and so defensive football has changed a, a great deal. Um, so that would be the first part. The second point on the quarterback, I don't know about Danville or, or, or Henry Clay or, or whatever, but we've never had a quarterback competition. And the reason why is whoever the probably the second quarterback is going to be at our school, he's got to start somewhere. Yeah. So I don't have time to go through the whole fall and say Maggard versus Clevenger, and we're guarding him. So we just kind of sit down. He's now a receiver, you know, or whatever, yeah. you know. And 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 so we kind of sit down as a staff, and I talk with the kids, and 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 I I know who our quarterbacks are going to be for years, and who they're going to be in the future. So that's a little different for me as far as what they're looking for uh, in terms of this quarterback. But from a defensive line standpoint, I mean. The, the bottom line is you you got to be able to get after the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can't put yourself in a position where you've got to – and we like to blitz. We like to play a lot of man-to-man. We like to bring a lot of pressure. Get after Scott it. County that's what I like to hear. And, and that's just our M.O. That Now, that means when we get beat over the top for the big bomb <laughs> – You're you know, beat. We're beat. <laughs> you're okay. not a little bit beat. You're beat. <laughs> but, but that's our M.O. And so, you know, we want to have somebody on the D-line that can get after somebody and get after the quarterback. Yeah, and going back to what you said, Kentucky's corners, 6'3", Derek Beatty, 6'2", Lonnie Johnson, 6'4", Chris Westry. I mean, all seniors. Uh, that's pretty good to have the lock up on man-to-man back there with, with arguably the best safety, not only in the SEC, but arguably in the country with Mike Edwards. So, again, Kentucky historically, you're looking five, six, maybe draft picks just out of the back seven. Get anything out of that defensive line, can, that that defense could take a major step up. But you got to increase that havoc havoc stats. Now, SEC football is all about defensive line. Play. It is. It is. Period. It is. Major college, Power Five. You better be good up front defensively, right, to be able to win. Because if not, teams are going to control the game on you. Um, 
you know, in a 3-4, which is kind of the same type of scheme, we, we, we're we opposite. We run a 3-4 scheme uh, and play a lot of zone coverage. And, um, you know, I think we use our outside linebackers or our Havoc guys. Yeah. They're our, our best athletes. They're our guys that we try to disguise a little bit, bring, drop, do some different things with, and I'm sure that's what they do. But Keep the offense guessing. Yeah, keep the offense guessing. Is You know, one guy, one time he's, he's – He's falling under, folding underneath that RPO, and the next time he's trying to hit the quarterback in the mouth before he can get off the ride and throw the football. And and so, you know, I think that's a key position if you're going to run a three. You got to have those three interior guys, and you got to have some playmakers at those outside linebacker spots. And you got to have playmakers at corner. You know, it's the toughest position to play. I think, yeah. especially the way you know. As you, as you, as here would be something that we can all relate to, whether we're high school coaches or whether we're big UK fans, we all watch pro football. Mm-hmm. Right, and so you watch Tom Brady against the very best defensive backs in the world with all the coaching, all the everything. <coughs> excuse me. And you watch the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's of the world complete 12, 14, 16 balls in a row. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. So that's, that's you know, human. And, yeah. and that's why your corners have to be so good. They, they might be super good, and they're still going to get a lot of balls caught on them. Right. So where is the one X factor in all that? Well, the X factor in in all of that is just what Clay said: is some some big dude up on the front that causes problems all the time and makes the quarterback uncomfortable. Kentucky Eddie Grant said he he says he wants an explosive play one out of every seven snaps. Now explosive play. Running the football is at what eight yards plus? Eight, eight yards plus, <laughs> and, then and then passing uh, is sixteen. Tw- I thought it was twelve, but twelve, oh, 12 or sixteen. How important at Scott County Danville or in football period are explosive plays to your offense? I, I mean, I just want to stay ahead of the sticks, and I'm sure when they ran the Veer at Henderson County, Clay wanted to stay ahead of the sticks. Four so yards every play. He's better to answer that than me because he's changed offensive philosophies a little bit. Well, at Danville, we've always been blessed with pretty good speed. And so I think our – that's why – Did he just say that without smirking? <laughs> <laughs> With DeMario. How can he – pretty good speed. Yeah, and so – Is that the same guy watching the state championship yeah. and against the LCA? Yeah, and so um, you know, it's one of the reasons why for the philosophy adjustment on my part. You know, instead of – you know, there was games uh, that we scored 50 points and we ran 19 snaps right. offensively. You know, and defense is on, on the field a lot. You yeah. know, we're playing LCA and we, we take one play, we score, they're 19 plays and right. they score, and then we two plays and we might score, and then they're 17 plays. And so um, for us, it's very important, the explosive play, because we're not a grinded out team. We don't, we're not a grinded out mentality. You know, we like the big plays, we kind of like the, the swagger that that creates. And, you know, Coach McKee, he says that about the wing T, but I've seen the offensive numbers he puts up. And, you know, those quote-unquote three yards in a cloud of dust offenses in this day and age, when I was running the Veer, we, we, we scored 30 and 40 points a game too. And, and, and he's putting up 40 and 50 points a game with, with big, big plays. I see their highlights on Friday night. So yeah, I, I think too. it's about ex- – Usually ex- it's the Scott County guys running forever. Yeah, I mean, right? so he's – we all, you know – those explosive plays take a lot of pressure, you know, off of you as a play caller sometimes because, you know, and a lot of times it comes down to that player. You know, he makes those – he can make the play. And, what uh, – uh, Coach McKee, Eddie Grant also <clears throat> talks about first down. What's your philosophy on first down play calls? 
<clears throat> well, you know, it's an old coaching cliche, and, and, and part of the reason we haven't changed offenses is just simply from the fact that we feel like we have a pretty good idea uh, about what the answers are for the things that get presented to us. So, so really, we just want to take what the defense is going to give us. Football has changed so much from a technology standpoint, you know, um, I don't, I don't know if you all had them on the sideline or if you all have used them yet, but for about three years now, you know, we, we, we filmed the game, and within seconds, those plays are on that iPad right in front of me. That's and so incredible. we get that first series underneath our belt, and then I've got a real good idea of what, what Danville's doing and where I think Danville's – where their bubbles are. People say, oh, they're stacking the box on you, coach. They're stacking – well, I mean, I mean, that doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, we've seen every defense known to man. You, you just got to go find the bubble and attack that bubble. That's what you got to do. And, and you got to know as quickly as how fast you can figure out where that bubble is and where that defense's weakness is, is that, that determines a lot about how quickly you can settle into calling plays. You know, I, you talk about explosive plays, and you look at Kentucky last year, and, um, you know, then I watch in the bowl game, watching Oklahoma play, and, you know, Jeffrey Bidette, yeah, what would he have done for their offense last year? And, the, and then you take a player like that, especially at receiver, when you got a strong running game, and if you can have somebody that can can get four eyes or two guys to have to contend with that receiver, it really opens up your running game, you know. And so, you know, for us, you know, first down play, kind of we do we do some no huddle and. You know, if they've got five in the box because they're having to worry about our speed on the edge, then we're going to probably pound the football in there and run some inside zone and try to get in a second and six and second and five and open up the playbook to where now you can pretty much call anything, you know, if you need to. You you mentioned something, Coach McKee, about about having the film and the technology. Like huddles changed high school football in the last few years. I mean, Freddie Maggart remembers reel to reel. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that or not yet, Clay. (laughs) (laughs) You were probably VHS tapes. We were VHS, yeah. I was was the brief time of DVDs, but they still had to do the exchanges on Saturdays. You had to exchange film. Now, I know y'all do some preseason scrimmages, and then you're going to trade them before your first game because that's the the (laughs) protocol. That's kind of like what this spring game is on Friday where you're putting something out there that all the other teams can see. When you do your scrimmages, do you keep it vanilla like Kentucky or do you do something like what Jeff Brom did at Purdue and you throw the kitchen sink at him? You run flea flickers, you run hook and ladders, you run fake spikes, you run everything to make them prepare for everything. I don't even think about that. That never even enters my mind. I mean, I'm going to do what's best for our program and – Run the things. Runs what you got to run. Yeah, because the first game in August is not going to determine. I mean, we want to be good in November, and so I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna approach that scrimmage. We scrimmage Louisville Central every year. We have for over a decade. Uh, we're going to Louisville this coming year. It's awesome. Uh, they're a good team to scrimmage. They're a good team. They they play with Physical. class. They play hard. And the guy Marvin Dantzler that's taken over for Ty Scroggins is the same same type of person. And so I, I don't even think about that. I, I don't. Even, I just we just do what we're going to do. What about you, Coach Carpenter? You know, I think you, you go in with some specific things that you want to see. You know, and once you get those things, uh, you know, it's like Coach said. You know, 
I'm an old, I'm an offensive lineman. Sometimes in practice, if things aren't going good, and I want to see his pound or head, or you know, and do that stuff. And my offense coordinator is always good. He's like, hey, you know, let's get the thoroughbreds to the race. Uh, and so, you know, <laughs> you talk, we were talking about that earlier yeah. about the approach on Friday. You know, right. you got to do what's best. I mean, but you, you you run Benny Snell's wheels off, and you don't have him next year for some reason or for the first, you know. And so you want to get your thoroughbreds to the race. You know what he can do. Right. You right. know what some of these guys can do. You you don't need to see that on in the blue and white. What do you what do you need to see? You yeah. need to see which quarterback can do this. Mm-hmm. Do you need to you know you can script that stuff anyway. You know let's let's see how they handle the blitz this series. Let's see how they handle um, you know zone coverage and you know if that's what they really want to see. If they they want to see how do their quarterbacks handle these certain things. And, and I'll guarantee you, and you all know this, and and the average fan, not that I'm better or different than the average fan but i would encourage the average fan to to understand this too you know for a hundred percent fact that coach stoops and his staff know exactly what they want to accomplish friday night to a t it's down they have you know they have it written down Mm -hmm. it's it's etched in their brain they're going to be watching right through it as that game goes along and they have a reason for every single thing that they're going to do right Right. For us, it might be like, oh, come on, <laughs> <laughs> That's we're the fan. Yeah. Now, but, but for them, they know what they're doing. Now, Kentucky is a defensive lineman. That, that It was a part of the 2014 signing class, that, which was supposed to be the best ever. Uh, Tom Mir DeBose. For what reason, he, he, he really wasn't uh, – he, he, he hadn't produced, he hadn't done much for various reasons, on and off the field, has a great bowl game. I th- I projected him on signing day many years ago. I thought he was the most NFL talented player in that class. Now he's got it. He he's he's matured. Coach Stoops says the most proud moment of his coaching career is going to see him graduate. Uh, he's playing at a high level. His, his 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 production has increased, and he is poised for a big senior year. Has there ever been a moment where it's taken a long time for one of your players to get it? And when that player does, the light bulb comes on and he does get it. What goes through your mind as a coach since you have been on him for years or months or whatever to, to get him to play at a level or to be the young man that you think that he could be? It happens every year, really. I mean, I, you know, I think that's the, the age group that we deal with. You see so much maturity from the time that they're freshman, sophomore, you know, to – to their senior year, physically, mentally, um, you know, for us, you know, this year, I mean, Demario was a good example. I mean, he, you know, there was, there was some, some things about him that was holding him back, and and I saw those things. He, he just played with a different air and different confidence this year for us, and and because of that, you know, we would have been really good with the Demarios a fresh or sophomore or, or a junior, but we we became elite as far as 2H football in Kentucky because he took it to another level. And, um, you know, so for me, it seems like, especially the last three years at Danville, there's, there's been a couple every year that's really taken that maturity level uh, on and taking the, the ownership of being a senior, um, which is a lot bigger deal. or it's a, it's a big deal in high school football, I think. It is, and, and I think that that's a, a key to coaching at every level is, you know, no matter if, if you're with the Dallas Cowboys or you're with Danville or you're with somebody in between, everybody's got their two or three dudes. 
And, you know, the teams that are winning championships, their dudes are playing at a high, high level. I mean, that was a challenge, I guarantee you, for Coach Clevenger and his staff. Okay, here's Van Cleve now. How do we freaking get Van Cleve right here? I want him right here. You know, that's like Brian Hudson. Okay, he's going to Virginia Tech. He's I mean, all this no disrespect to Brian, and I hope he's listening to the podcast, but, you know, what he does at Virginia Tech can't help us win any games this fall. I'm ready, I'm ready to see him go this fall. I want to know how I can get him from here to here this August. And then, you know, last year we wouldn't let him come out of the game. I don't know if you all played Van Cleve on defense or not, but, you know, we've had this theory where we totally two platoon, and so we're – you know, we're – and I'm, I did that with my middle boy, Colby, a bunch. I said, well, you know, each game we're going to play a little bit more. Well, it ended up – he was on the bench too much. We, we didn't play him enough. So, I just told Hudson from day one last year, you, you're not coming out. You can't come out. So, let's go. Yeah. Coach McKee, I got one final request from you. Can Scott County change their logo? I don't know how I feel about seeing this Listen, cardinal bird you know all over the place. how many times I've walked into a restaurant or somewhere with like a cardinal hat on or logo, and somebody like, oh, love, love. And so what I've made a point to do is put – You got the SC on there on now. On everything, yeah. if at all possible. I, I tweeted you once, and you got cardinal in your little Twitter thing. <laughs> And I got like 40 little remarks or responses. Why are you talking to these people and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it's my dude, man. He's That's Scott County. I mean, what can you say? Mr. Football. Just need a rebrand. Mr. Football, right? Right. It started, I think, my senior year. Frank Jacobs was the first Mr. Football, if I'm not mistaken. It's about right, yep. Yep. And and it's continued until now. Um, how can we make that bigger throughout the state? How can we how can we make that better, bigger uh, for the, the 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 winner, the program, the community, the family, etc. I think we've got to do something. I mean, I was you know, Coach McKee and I've had a dozen conversations about that over the last you know four or five weeks. It seems like, but you know, I was surprised that Demaria won it. You know, I thought he deserved it. I thought he put up good numbers. I mean, obviously for a 2A football program uh, to have a Mr. Football, sometimes that's tough, in the, you know, mm-hmm. from media and all that kind Especially of thing. Especially in Danville where you're not yeah. you know, necessarily in a big market or anything right. like that. And, you know, and so, you know, but him having probably arguably one of his best games in his high school career on the biggest stage in the state championship game opened a lot of eyes. And then, then you start looking at his numbers. Um, and you say, wow, this kid does it on both sides. Of the, he's 16 interceptions for his career and, you know, 70 touchdowns and yada, yada. So, But basically the only thing that comes with that award is a phone call. That's what I tell people. And, and you know, the, the guy from the AP calls and he says, congratulations, you're Mr. Football, and, and, and that's it. And so, you know, the basketball community, the basketball community is doing it right. You know, mm-hmm. and so as as a football community, we've got to step up our game, and and I think you know the only people that are going to care enough to do that are us high school coaches, and mm-hmm. so we've got to we got to figure out a way to where we can make that a bigger honor uh, for for the young man who wins it, and um, you know we we we've, we've been talking about certain ways that we can do that, and and hopefully we get things in place to where it's a it's a bigger deal, you know, for for whoever might win it next yeah, cause year. Yeah, that, that's a huge honor. I mean, it that, should be it, not it, only it for is. that kid, but yeah. for that. Coach coaching staff, his teammates, you know. That. It's a program award. It is. It is. And I don't think people realize that. And and I don't want to – this is going to sound like a total jerk comment. Uh-oh. Fraser yeah, jerk. I am a jerk. In 2015, I was in the, the KHSA Class of 2015 Hall of Fame. And I, I refused to take that – they give you a plaque. 
And I didn't take it. I gave it to Coach Creech at Harlan County. He said, put this somewhere in Harlan County because I didn't feel that it was mine. Because, you know, that to me, that was a community award. The, 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 the volunteer that lined the baseball field at Tri-City Little League Baseball Park was just as much of a, a recipient as I, than I was. You know, the, the the offensive tackle that now works in the coal mine w- was just as big a part of that Hall of Fame thing as I was. So that to me was huge because I I treated it as, a, as it should be, a community award. So I was not Mr. Football. Frank Jacobs was. I got hosed. I should have been. <laughs> I, was, I was second. I got ripped off. But that should I be was a that mountain I, was, I yeah. was fourth the year Tim Couch when I feel the same way. Yeah, just, you know. yeah we got ripped off. <laughs> but that, that's a community award that, 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 that Danville or Georgetown or, you know, the south side of Louisville, you know, that, that's something that people can, can, can look at forever. And I agree. And you all, you, both of you all, hope you all know that if you ever need anything promotion-wise or a vine to talk about high school football in the state of Kentucky, that I'm always here. Because it's 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 not just a a hobby of mine. It's been a passion for many years to try to help every coach, every player, every program in this Commonwealth, and I continue to do so. So I agree. I, I'd like to see that thing become bigger, and uh, and have an award of some nature, and let the community feel properly be honored for that. Well, and, and you know we've we've met with Gary Graves, who's in charge of the award for the AP, and you know we've in. We, we want to work with the AP. Right. Uh, we don't want to work independently from the AP. We want to work with the AP. And we talked to Gary, and he understands and respects that also the timing of the award probably could change that could help us. Yeah. And in that, you know, this year and in, in almost all years, you're looking at when, – when, when was it announced this year, Clay? Late January. Late Jan. You know, so, you know, you're up into – Well Bowl. into yeah. Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah basketball season NBA you know all these other things are going on and and we just feel like that if we could tie it in in some way uh we we just made it the simple idea of the five finalists but get announced the week of the state championship absolutely and so on Monday you know everybody's Twitter's playing Damari Van Cleve's highlight absolutely finalists from Danville and then on Tuesday Freddie Maggard from Cumberland and then on Thursday or Wednesday Thursday and then you know, some somehow awarded in conjunction closely with the finals and or the All Star game that's played the next weekend. Absolutely. Well, and I know, like every year on Christmas Day, the CJ they release their All State team. That's mm-hmm. like I yep. know it's going to be there. Mister Football should be decided by then. When yeah. and it used to be that that um, you know Larry Vaught, who's it, you know was a long time with the Advocate Messenger there in Danville, and it was a big part of getting it started back in the in the mid to late eighties. The AP used to come out the weekend of the state championship game. So the AP All-State team plus Mr. Football yep. was announced. There was. Um, back yeah. then. And, and I don't know when it changed. It was like that when I was in high school in the late night in the mid-90s. So I don't know when that change occurred. Um, you know, you're you know, right because it was announced um, when we played at Cardinal Stadium. Yep. Uh, because um, – Nice I, carpet. I, I, broke, I broke my arm in like the second series. Ever tell you that story, Cody? So I break my arm. Cumberland Redskins. I come over to the sideline. We're we're up like twelve to nothing. I come over to my coach, rest in peace, Ron Kane. I said, I think I broke my arm, coach. He said, Let me see it. And you could tell it was, it was broke. He said, Don't tell nobody. I was like, <laughs> All right. He made the trainer. We didn't I, get get two aspirin, put it on my broken arm, and tape it. 
that's going to fix it, right? So I had to play the rest of the game. Wasn't allowed to tell nobody. I had to go to a, I think it was the Mr. Football Banquet that night, and I and they fed a steak, and I couldn't cut, cut my steak. And Terry Miners, who I met for the first time, had to cut my steak for me. And then I go the next day and get it casted up and all that. But I, I do think it was that day of, of the state championship game. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember there being a, a – I was a, fortunate to be a finalist. I don't remember the a banquet. You know, I don't know if they if that's ever you been. Got Maybe off, was. Yeah, I know. You it. I know it. No, um, Scott Daniel was Tim a who? finalist in 2013, and all all the, the only way that I knew it was just Jason Frakes's. Yeah. Twitter account. Yeah. And there was 11 finalists this year, which may may or may not be a little bit too 11? many. 11? That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's definitely some things, and like, like Coach McKee said, hopefully we can get with the AP and figure out how we as coaches can – can help facilitate the process if we need to, and um, and get it done in a timely manner, and and do it right. Yeah. Before we let y'all go, can I just ask what a high school football coach does from April 10th until July 15th, whenever the real shebang gets going? Well, we're in. We started spring practice yesterday, so we'll we we go three times a week. I can just keep it pretty consistent. Um, so Monday. Uh, we we've been in six a.m. workouts up Ooh. from January until till um, Tom Duffy returns. And, um, so we <laughs> did that. Running jingle jangles there this summer now. But um, you know, I got this from you know I, as a young coach, I, I was gung ho. Every time you got a chance, I wanted to be practicing. And and then you know you get smarter and, and talking with Coach McKee even when I was in Henderson and. You know, he, he's really scaled back what he's done. And, and so I've scaled back what we've done, uh, you know, for the last seven or eight years, and I feel like it's helped. You know, I feel like sometimes as football coaches, we feel like, y'all, you know, if, if you're able to practice, by gosh, you should practice. And sometimes there's a there's a, a, there's a diminishing lot. return there mm-hmm. um, where your kids is – and I look at it for, personally is that we played until December the last two years mm-hmm. in, in the in to Thanksgiving weekend the year before that. So our kids have gotten a lot more practice kind of like the bowl practice. Right. Mm-hmm. Gotten a lot more practice Next situations. Month. Yeah, you know, for three straight years. So our seniors have actually played right now almost another full season. Well they've played another fourteen games. Yeah. You know, so you know, so let them be kids. Mm-hmm. Let those guys be kids. So, with that said, you know, try to work out, try to get some conditioning done, mm-hmm. uh, but but also give them plenty of time to be kids. We've got the I've got the greatest principal in Kentucky, Joe Covington. Oh, uh, he's awesome. Idea. And you know, he we, we I mean, bottom line is, I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of the work that we're going to do between now and then the school is going to occur during school during weightlifting class. And so our guys are going to lift throughout during the school day, and then um, I'm I'm going to cut. And I have for many years. I've got my youngest son to a good baseball player. I mean, he's not all American, but he's a good competitive high school baseball player, and he enjoys it. I'm not missing, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm not missing his games. <laughs> he's going to play this summer, and I'm not missing. So when school gets out, we've always cut our guys loose for the whole month of June, and we'll come back in July. The, this year we're going to start on the 11th, Wednesday the 11th. So we'll cut them loose from May 20. Six or somewhere in there when we get out till June, June, July 11th. Nice. And, and that's the thing, Clay. What Clay brought up is that's the work you do in June. Mm, the work gets done for the future in November when you know you you got all your young guys that aren't playing in the game on Friday. I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, I've got those guys. 
I mean, they're going to practice as a unit and get a thousand reps, and they're going. To, we lift weights on Friday with our young guys because they're not going to get in the game. Right, right. Yeah. So I mean, I don't have anything like to do after school on Friday <laughs> except sit there and twiddle my thumbs till kickoff. So I just take all the young guys in the weight room and kill them. <laughs> and then we go, you know. So you got to during your season make sure you're maximizing your time with your kids. Don't just bring them in for the sake of saying, well. We, Woodford County's practicing, so we got to practice. Henry Clay's practicing, so we I don't care what Henry Clay and Brian Station are doing. You know, I'm going to do what I think is best for us. And what's best for us might not work. If I went to Harlan County, yeah. I'd have to get a feel for the dynamics. Yeah. I'd have to get a feel for the kids. Go to Danville, go to Henderson. You know, different communities are different. Baseball's big in our community. You know, we're going to have guys involved with travel baseball all the way to the 1st of August every summer. Okay, so we're not going to crank it hard till the 1st of August. Do you still get nervous before games? Uh, maybe a little anxious. I don't know about Clay, but I mean, I've, I've watched so much film and prepared for so many games that I've got a pretty. I'm about nine point five out of ten on having a good idea, kind of how we match up with the other team. And uh, Saint X this year is a little bit better than I thought, though. I know that we walked <laughs> off. I said, Hang on, I thought we were going to win this game. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't won enough games yet, so you still I, get yeah, I still get a little nervous, depending yeah. on. And a lot of times, it's teams that you probably. You know, you feel uh, you're, you know, overmatch. You, you you have overmatch. Like, oh, did I cover this? Did I covered. Did I spend enough time? You know, because you know sometimes you might you might not spend as much time on this or that. And so then then when you get to game day, and, but that's where the culture and the program and that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. well, Clay, you know, Clay's being modest, and in the fact that uh, you know when you go back and look at what they did this year, first off, to go fifteen and zero is 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 unbelievable. Yeah. To answer the bell every Friday night, we've done it, and it's tough. Yeah. I mean, and then you know they beat Frederick Douglass, and the only other games Frederick Douglass lost the whole season were two games to yeah, us. And they beat the LCA twice. They correct? beat the LCA twice. The LCA's got some players, mm-hmm. and yeah. they beat Tate's Creek. And yeah. Tate, you know, and and was this a great Tate's Creek team? No, but Tate's Creek's got two thousand students. Yeah. Danville has five to six hundred. I mean, I'm throwing that out there. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. What do y'all got? About five fifty or something? Yeah. And uh, so, and we played Boyle. They were and they beat Boyle. And 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 you all read that story like the kid plays in the soccer game, right? That's right. You heard this story? Yes, I have. Yes, I mean that's Clay. That's right. Yeah, he gets there at half, right? It was when the hurricane came through, and so we we moved the game to Thursday night. He had a the boys' soccer was playing Boyle's boys at Boyle, and we were playing a home football game, and he got there at halftime and. Kick the game winner. I, I called the uh, the Boyle County Corbin game. <laughs> you know, I, I always have half the state championship games yep. for the KHSAA. I didn't get the Danville game. And when I saw Boyle County play against Corbin, you are playing the next day, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I'm thinking, if Danville beat this team, because Boyle County really, really impressed me. There's some good young talent on that mm-hmm. team. Then I, I was pretty sure that you guys were going to win the next day because that that was an impressive win because Bull County had – well, they got the quarterback that's a sophomore and the running back, the DB. Those, those are some good players. So, that just shows you again. And the Boyle-Corbin game was good for high school football in yeah. Kentucky. You got yeah. – Boyle is finally back in the finals after a yeah. break. And then Corbin Haddix. hasn't been since 2002 yeah. but has been really good yep. for year after year. Mm-hmm. The weather hits perfect. It's 50 degrees at yep. kickoff, and I think there were 11,000-something there. Yeah. And, and you know that something that I, I talked about during that game, I'm, I'm, the rest of them I can talk about separately, but the Corbin-Boyle County game, I was, I was, 
I was, uh, it was noticeable to me how well coached both those football teams were. I mean, Chuck was with Bull County, Coach Haddix was Corbin. Those were two well coached football teams. Fundamentally, X and O wise, discipline wise, that that was two that was two good Kentucky football programs, and it was good to see those two guys, two those two teams match up. You know, Bull County got the best of them, yeah. but it was a good game. And I'll I'll say this, uh, being fortunate enough to get there this year and playing in Commonwealth, you know, a lot of people wondered what the venue would be like. Yeah. Um, once the game started, you know, I could care less what's going on around. But um, I didn't I didn't feel like we got lost in the size of the thing. I mean, right. the, the crowd was still the, – the atmosphere was still really good. Yeah. And I think the fact that you're playing at UK's field, yeah. and, and hopefully I think it's going to be that way for a while now. And yeah, it and is. Hopefully for, for good. Yeah. You know, because I thought – thought the venue and the atmosphere w- was really good. I liked uh, Coach McKee's comments I read in the paper about that when he found out it was going to be at Kroger Field. Very Coach McKee-ish. Really concerned about everybody else. Said, yeah, it's 15 minutes from home. I like it. Yep. <laughs> or something like that. I was like, we got to get there, though. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I just have to drive up there and watch Danville play, for goodness sake. <laughs> Those going to the spring game, uh, we've talked about it before, but – I think things to watch. Who the number? Who's going to be the number two running back behind Benny Snell? AJ Rose. He got uh, some praise today. He did. Eddie Grant said AJ Rose had the best practice he's had on Friday in that scrimmage. Sahim King is a good counterback. Uh, we're waiting on Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke, the two freshman running back. The starting offensive line is set right now. I think is is a good unit. It could be a very good unit. We'll see. Everybody wants to see the quarterback, but I would caution. It's going to be look a little bit differently because the receiver rotation is not going to be what it is in the fall. There's no tight ends. So formations, personnel groups, motions are going to look totally different. It's going to be vanilla. But I do have a feeling that the Kentucky coaches are going to try to put on a show for the fans. So that, that's one reason I'm encouraging well, folks to get and there. And especially that, like, the thing they're trying to find the most is which one of these young receivers and quarterbacks and, can play. So you got to throw it away. Th- and yeah. I, think, I think some of the, some of the defensive players may – you know, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Josh Allen, which, which I mean, what's he got to prove? Uh, uh, you know, Denzel Ware, I think the way his season ended, you may see more of him. The the DBs, I think, should have the advantage because you got five seniors back there starting. Should have the advantage against the younger receiving group. We'll see that. I'm anxious to see some of the younger DBs. Yusuf Corker, I think, is going to be a tremendous football player. Devontae Robinson, where is he going to fit in? Uh, some other guys. So, uh, it's going to be a good show. I think Kentucky's going to try to put up some points, try to make some things happen. Uh, listen to it on the radio. I'm on the call with Tom Leach. Don't watch the SEC Network or DVR it. Then listen. I'm going to bring my six and four year old. We're going to be there live. There so you that, go. Be, nice. Yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. You can good. bring your rabbit ears though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, bring your rabbit old ears. Old style. Yeah, and, you know. But we go on air at 5:30 for a digital at ukathletics.com. A pregame show for an hour. Then I got to. They ship me up to the top of the thing, up to the booth, and do the radio. It's going to be exciting, going to be fun. We'll talk about it next week. But, gentlemen, thanks for letting me talk about my hobby, man. High school football in Kentucky is is, is my passion. I mean, I to me, it's everything. Uh, it's It builds character. Uh, I love how you all, both of you guys, have built a program, sustained a program of, of excellence, of championships. Uh, you have peers. I like how you talk about your peers in the business. I think that shows respect for those that do it the right way. 
and uh, nothing but respect and thanks and appreciation for being here. We appreciate you know having us. It's uh, you know, to be able to promote our brand as far as just high school football in general, not yeah. necessarily our specific brand. I think is something that maybe we as high school coaches are going to have to do a little better moving forward. Anything we can do on this podcast, let us know. Uh, of course, Coach McKee's a five-time visitor. We've had, usually had him on the phone, but we had to get him in here because – Nick, you talked about the coach. Look at his oh, hand. Yeah. He's got 12 things written on his hand. <laughs> I've seen him. He's got a pen on his little whistle. And he's writing stuff on his hand. I like that you got not one but two whistles. <laughs> One's not enough. Yeah, well, I, you know, I appreciate you guys letting let me be on here and uh, have the utmost respect for the what, what you guys are trying to do. And, and Clay brought it up, and, and that is that, you know, you can never promote football enough. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and, and the bottom line is, you you know, many people in our state grew up listening to Kay Wood Ledford and, and thinking about Adolph Rupp and thinking about the things associated with basketball. But if you drive through the state of Alabama, oh, yeah. the next time you drive through there, look for basketball goals on the side of barns. Look for basketball. They're, they're not there. Right. So what we're talking about is just generations of culture of things being a certain way. Right. And as football people, not taking anything away from anybody else. Right. But – Continue to work to build and promote yeah, the game. Absolutely. Just look what's happened baseball wise in the state of Kentucky. Yeah, U of L in the College World Series, turf field, six thousand seat stadium, yeah. in the, ranked in the top twenty. UK building a new baseball stadium. Yeah, you know, so you got to continue to promote whatever it is you're passionate about, and and never rest on your laurels. Yeah, I think when you rest on your laurels, then you're done. Well, I, you know, look at. Players being produced, scholarship players, Division One, One Double A scholarship players. There's been a there's been a, a shift in power in this state. It used to be basketball. I mean, they'll go back to the '80s when Rex and all those guys were coming out. Now it's football. Way way more football players being produced in Kentucky than basketball. And especially at the high level. You're right at that elite level. Yeah. But Damon Harris. Yeah. Jedrick Willis, Landon Young, yep. Brian Hudson. Yep. You know, those guys are, you know, to put it in basketball perspective for people, those guys are the McDonald's All-Americans. Those are blue chippers. Cash Daniel. Cash Daniel. Drake Jackson. I mean, there, yeah. there's several yeah. of them out there, yeah. Guys I, playing in the U.S. Army All-American yeah. game. I'm yeah. so happy Cash is Kentucky starting linebacker. The stuff he says, my goodness. I love it. Well, and hopefully well the fake more. punt. You remember the fake punt? <laughs> was that in the bowl game or was, who was that against? Uh, was it, it the was bowl, game? bowl game? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't stopping. There ain't nobody stopping me. I'm just keeping my legs going. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you so much, and thank you for listening to the podcast again. It wouldn't be, we wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for our folks, at, fine folks at Jack Kane Ford, who have been so good to us. Located uh, five minutes off of uh, New Circle or past New Circle Road on Versailles Road. Come by and see them at CaneFord.com uh, and at CaneFord Inc on Twitter. Uh, all the selection of new used cars, trucks that you can imagine. Come out and see us at Jack Kane Ford and go out to the spring game and get ready. Uh, high school football kicks off in August, and we look, we hope to see you out somewhere on a Friday night supporting these coaches and players across the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm.